1: Our first scripture reading comes from the prophet Isaiah. Hear now the word of God for you and for me. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither, and then tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their hosts and numbers them, calling them all by name. Because he is great in strength, mighty in power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Before I read our second uh, scripture, A True Confession, I have a love-hate relationship with sermon titles. Uh, Because of our communication timing, uh, we need to come up with titles a few weeks in advance, and so you do your best to discern the direction that you might go uh, within that sermon, sensing where the Spirit might lead. A few weeks ago, I thought that an appropriate sermon title for today would be Lifted Up. But as it turns out, the Spirit blew a different way and the direction uh, turned. And so if I were to rename this sermon title for those who care about such things, I would call it Searching Together. Searching Together. Mark 1, 29 to 39. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons, and the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases And cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. Jesus answered, let us go on to the neighboring towns so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open this ancient word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people. That we would be comforted. That we would be challenged. That we would be conformed to the likeness of your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, the two lectionary texts that are set before us today, the one from Isaiah that Clegg read and the one from Mark. Uh, These two texts have reminded me that there are at least two points of crisis within the spiritual life as we seek to humbly follow Jesus Christ. I, I use the word crisis with both intention and purpose because there are times when the equilibrium and the balance of our faith is tested. Or it's shaken. Shaken by some event or some thought or a series of thoughts or something that was hidden from us that has now been revealed, a, a truth we now know. I want to be clear that spiritual crisis is not Failure. Spiritual crisis does not mean you have failed God or you have failed yourself. Spiritual crisis does not indicate that you are weak or somehow less of a Christian. On the contrary, to experience a spiritual crisis means one. You actually possess deeply held theological and ethical convictions that anchor your faith and anchor your life. And two, because you and I live in a beautiful yet broken world, there are events and circumstances that provoke and challenge and upset those very convictions. You see, spiritual crisis is actually only possible because of the substance and the depth of your faith. It's only possible when you have a substantive faith. To to put it as plainly as I can, spiritual crisis is actually inevitable for anyone who dares to believe, for anyone who is vulnerable enough to trust. The two points of crisis I'm thinking about today, the two points of crisis I'd invite you to consider today, are very much interrelated. Each crisis, I think, can be summarized in one single sentence. The first point of crisis is this. Crisis comes when it seems that my way is hidden from God. That my way is hidden from God. And a second crisis, as I said, is related to it. It simply flips the script that it seems that God's way is hidden from me. That God's way is hidden from me. My way is hidden from God. God's way is hidden from me. These are points of spiritual crisis. And I'd like to speak to each one in turn. First, the crisis, my way is hidden from God. This particular crisis is made manifest in what appears to be God's apathy or God's indifference or God's non-intervention in regards to the plight in which we find ourselves, to the circumstances we experience. We might ask, does God not see my struggle? Does God not know what I know? Is God distant from my suffering or my regret or my grief or the chaos or the strife of my life? My way, that is my life, seems to be out of view from God who is supposed to know me. Who is supposed to see me. In Isaiah 40, the prophet asks the people of God a very poignant and direct question. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, why do you speak, O Israel, that my way is hidden from the Lord? In other words, why do you keep saying, people of God, that your way is hidden from God? Why is it that you keep saying that my right is disregarded by my God? Now, I want to tell you, Isaiah's question here really, really bothers me. It actually annoys me. And the reason it bothers me, the reason it annoys me, is because there were ample reasons for the people of God to actually say such things. Now, I know Isaiah is a prophet of hope. I know Isaiah is a prophet of promise. But I wonder if we can empathize with the people of God in this situation who said those things, who said things like, my way is hidden from God. Because remember, that the people of God, were living in captivity at the time of this writing. The Babylonian Empire had sacked and utterly destroyed the sacred city of Jerusalem, and the people of God were exiled from their homeland and, and forced to free to a foreign land. They had to flee from the land that God had promised, that God had actually delivered, following their liberation from slavery in Egypt, friends, there were plenty of logical and coherent reasons behind the people's protest. It was not absurd. In fact, it makes a lot of sense because it seemed at that time that God was blind to the drama they were experiencing. I suspect that many of us know such a season, such a predicament, such an experience. Many of us know what it feels like when it seems that we are unseen by God. When our trials and our tribulations seem to be outside of the attention of God. Does God see the woman who hasn't seen her husband in over a month as the lasting effects of COVID-19 has kept him isolated in their retirement community? Is her way hidden? Is his way hidden? Does God see the single person who in the midst of this ongoing pandemic is increasingly feeling isolated and alone? Is their way hidden? Does God see the man whose career trajectory was totally derailed by no fault of his own? Is his way hidden? Does God see the man who lost the ability to walk As he struggles to regain his health and strength, is his way hidden? Does God see the one marginalized or or demonized because the color of their skin or how they pray or, or what they're paid or by what zip code they live in or how they vote is their way hidden? Does God see the one who has sinned and believes that they are actually beyond redemption? Is their way hidden? There are many moments in faith and in life where we actually have enough evidence to think or to say my way is hidden from God and this is crisis of the spiritual kind when we come to think that God does not see me. To consider the second crisis, we move to the gospel lesson from Mark. We're told in this story that Jesus had been healing the sick and the diseased and that he was casting out demons. The whole city came to him as word of his power and authority began to spread. The story, however, takes an interesting turn. After a full day of healing, Jesus got up and went to a deserted place to pray. When the disciples awoke, To find that Jesus was gone, they went to look for him. Presumably they went to look for him because there were more people in need of healing. There were more people to be cared for, more people to be liberated, more people to be restored. The disciples wonder, where is Jesus? And they go out looking for him, but they can't find him. He's, He's gone. And this is indicative of the second crisis. That God's way is hidden from me, or to put it in, in another way, that Christ is actually missing. That Christ is hidden and gone. God's way, God's presence, God's intervention, God's healing and power is hidden from me. And I wonder if you know times such as these. I wonder if you've experienced these points of crisis, We've been rooted, many of us have been rooted for a very long time, even to our Sunday school days, rooted in the promise that God is with us and for us, even until the end of the age, and yet God, it seems, sometimes goes missing. Within this text, I'm not quite sure I even understand it. Why did Jesus leave? Why did he heal some and not others? Why did his ministry of healing come to an abrupt end in this particular town and move on to the next one even though we believe there was more work to be done in that particular town? Why did Jesus go missing? Why was he out of sight? Friends, remember the the, the point of crisis is, is not uh, revealing to us that we somehow have a weak faith. This point of crisis does not mean that we have blurred spiritual vision or or that we're spiritually apathetic or spiritually lazy. This crisis is not because we lack intelligence or insight, and this crisis is not the result of a lack of a desire for God. And this sets up one of the most difficult truths, I think, in in the Christian life, in the Christian faith, that in God's own agency, in God's own will, God decides to hide or God decides to retreat, much like we saw in in, in the agency that Jesus makes manifest in his getting out of town while at least in the disciples' eyes, there was still work to be done It's God's sovereign choice to retreat. It's God's sovereign choice to conceal. These are hard words, but but interesting to note that in, in Isaiah 45, we realize that this is actually a biblical truth. Five chapters on from the text that Clegg read for us today, five chapters on, the same writer in Isaiah 45, verse 15, says this, Truly you are a God who hides himself. Truly, you're a God who hides himself, O God of Israel, the Savior. This is not just a mere feeling. This is actually appears to be a biblical witness. Friends, the way of God consists of both revelation and concealment. God reveals God's self to us through the covenant of with Israel, and And through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, but we also stand on firm ground to make the assertion that God sometimes hides, that God sometimes retreats. It's like the old hymn says, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible, hid from our eyes. You see, God is at once both seen and unseen. God is at once both known and unknown. Through divine agency, God can be present and reveal God's self. And through that same agency, God in God's sovereign will can retreat, can be absent. God's will can be revealed and God's will can be veiled in mystery. And this truth, this hard, hard spiritual truth makes the second spiritual crisis even possible. God's way is hidden from me. God's way is veiled. My way is hidden from God. God's way is hidden from me. These are two crises we face. So what do we do about it? What do we do in the midst of these two crises? How do we show up, how do we believe, how do we pray? How do we keep moving forward in faith? What do we do? The wisdom I would offer is certainly not my own but comes from the texts themselves. For both of these texts implore us explicitly and implicitly to not give up searching to not give up the quest. In Isaiah 40, the prophet proclaims, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Hebrew word here for wait is also the word to describe the act of eagerly and earnestly searching for something or someone. To say it in another way, but those who look eagerly for God. Those who look eagerly for God shall renew their strength. Those who look eagerly for God will run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. When we are in crisis, when, when our way seems to be hidden from God, we search and quest to be seen. We go after God in prayer, and in lament. And we cry out, we study the scriptures. We act with love and charity. And in this quest to be seen, in this quest to be known by God, we are renewed. We're strengthened for that quest. When our way seems hidden from God, when our plight seems to be outside of God's vision, We search to be seen. And the same goes for the second crisis. When God's way is hidden, we search. We keep searching. The disciples, I think, are exemplars of this quest in Mark 1. They don't just sit around, right? We don't see them sitting around and say, I wonder where Jesus went. I wonder what time he's going to be back. No, they actually get up and they go. They go after him. The Greek word conveys the sense of a hunter uh, chasing after prey. Our English translation actually conveys as much. It says, and Simon and his companions hunted for Jesus. The language is quite strong. When we face these crises, we chase, we pursue Christ. We go after him, not only so our way may be seen by God, but so that God's way may be seen by our own eyes may be seen by us. There's one more thing to note, and I'll, and I'll close with this. The search for Jesus in Mark, don't miss this, it was done in community. It's subtle, but it's so very important. Simon and his companions, says Mark, searched for Jesus together. His companions searched for Jesus together. Mark tells us that, quote-unquote, everyone was searching. People were searching for him in community and as a community. They searched together, not by themselves, not as a one-person search party, but as a collective, as a whole. This is such a simple but important reminder that the spiritual crises we face do not have to be faced alone, They do not have to be faced alone. They can be, and perhaps ought to be, shared crises. And perhaps it's a shared search, right? Because here's a little secret. You are not the only one who struggles with the prospect that your way is hidden from the Lord. And another secret. You're not the only one who wonders why it seems God's way is hidden from you. You're not the only one. But let's be honest, most of the way we gather, most of the way we, quote unquote, do church, actually perpetuates these secrets. It can leave little room for us to admit that we face these kinds of spiritual crises. Sure, we're gonna be vulnerable to a certain extent. We're gonna be vulnerable to a point we're gonna share about a a job transition or a job opportunity we'd like prayer for. We're gonna share about a big decision we have to make. We're gonna share about an illness we have or someone we love has. We'll talk about in the life of the church committee work. We'll talk about various ministries. Maybe we'll even talk about a sermon we heard. But I rarely hear, rarely hear in the company of other Christians someone say, I feel as if God doesn't see me. I rarely hear that. Or I feel as if God is missing in my life. I can't find God. Truth be told, I rarely say it. I rarely admit to it, even though these are my crises too. Somehow we've come to think that our deepest spiritual longings Should be kept private, reserved for our journal or for a moment of personal prayer. But this text, friends, it reminds us that the quest, the longing, and the search to be seen by God, to see God, is actually a communal one. It's a shared one. So I would invite you, I would challenge you to share it. You don't have to face it alone be vulnerable, take a risk, and invite someone to be your companion, to search together, to share the crisis and the burden together. And if someone invites you to share in the journey, be quick to say yes. Join them in their quest and make it your quest too. And let us be a community. Let us be a church that's that's more vulnerable, more honest about the spiritual crises we face and trust that God will give us the strength and the stamina to keep searching together. Amen.